Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the 19th episode of the Car Guide Podcast. Gab, how are you? Good, great. It is fall. Fall means a lot of automotive <laughs> news, a lot of 2024 models coming up because the last few weeks were calm, calm-ish since our last recording. Yeah, kind of thin. Yes, yes. We got we got to drive a couple of nice cars and we're going to talk yeah. about that later. Uh, but a lot of industry industry news as well and uh, shows coming up, obviously. We, uh, we like to talk about shows and how boring they have become <laughs> but this this one's coming up and you're going to the Tokyo uh, Auto yeah. Salon but now it's called the Japan Mobility uh, exactly. uh, uh, Japan Mobility uh, Salon yeah. uh, that you're going to attend and there's going to be plenty of news uh, coming up uh, in the next few weeks uh, for now, I want to talk about something a lot more general um, planned obsolescence yeah, uh, it pertains to a lot of subjects in our lives, uh, cell phones, appliances and stuff like that, but also cars, cars. Mm. Um, the Quebec government is the first uh, provincial government in Canada to pass a law that will outlaw uh, planned obsolescence. And it uh, it's it is related to cars in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um You probably know what it is. Right to repair. Exactly. Right to repair. Yeah. In the States. That's been that's been a topic that's been trending for a long time. Not only you know here, but also mostly in in the U.S., but also in in Europe as well. Because yep. there's a lot of trends right now in the automobile industry that goes against this this kind of you know right to repair. I mean, cars are becoming much more. Uh, computerized, you know, more, more complex. Um, and so it's difficult for a lot of the independent, uh, repair shops to sort of like keep up with what's going on, you know, and then, yep. and the technology and things like that. So in many ways, you know, the fact that the, uh, the Quebec government is going ahead with that, um, they're following up on the footsteps of France. Actually, France was the first country to, to, to pass a law about planned obsolescence. And now, uh, Qu- Quebec is sort of like following, following suit. And it's going to have, uh, repercussions with regards to the automobile industry and mostly, uh, with regards to, you know, fixing cars and keeping them on the road. Yeah. Basically, you know, you're, as a car owner, you don't have to get your maintenance done at a dealership or by the brand. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of people who don't know that, but you don't have to. Until now, there was no law that was, you know, like, uh, or, or legislator that was, that was uh, governing this. But now manufacturers will, will have to share knowledge, uh, technical data, uh, blueprints basically about the vehicles, tools, parts. It's already a, a few things that are already on the market. Everybody's got a corner garage that knows how to fix a Toyota. Yeah. But as you said, as cars are getting more yeah. complicated and as manufacturers are developing new technologies that they don't want to share with other manufacturers or other, you know, third parties, mm-hmm. it's getting complicated to get the information from the manufacturer. And when you go to your corner garage, you know, they might say, oh no, that's a dealer only repair. That's, yeah. you know, we're not equipped to do that. Or we don't have the diagnostic tool because it's, it's in the computer and the data is not being shared. So that law, the Bill 29 in Quebec is going to cover this and it's going to uh, make manufacturers 
have to share this information uh, to, to owners and ultimately to, to independent yeah. repair shops. And also another feature of the bill is that it will force manufacturers to keep supplying parts yes. for the vehicles for a longer period of time yeah. so that you, know, you, can, you can keep a vehicle on the road for, for an extended period of time and not that... You know, the, well, we sorry, we don't make we don't make an alternator for this yeah. <laughs> this car anymore. We don't make this we don't make this module anymore because it's not being used in our new transmission or whatever. Yeah, and so now it's going to be a situation where they're going to have to keep parts on the shelf, basically. Uh, of course, yeah. because b uh, before you know, aftermarket manufacturers had to kind of it was a e you know retro engineer yeah. parts, right? An alternator is an alternator. Yeah. Now with these the modules, the yeah. electronics, computers, uh, you know that involve Involved over-year updates, AI, whatever you name it, you know, whatever's coming up in the automotive industry, it makes it so much more difficult and proprietary to yeah. the to the, the the brands to keep their secrets. And it, you know, having a law like this makes it, you know, it's going to be e e trying to make it as easy to have a module, a replacement module for a screen, for example, as it is for the alternator that was easily. You know, easily buildable by 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 aftermarket companies because yeah. it, you could retro engineer it. But now with those modules and the computers, it's hard. Yeah, because you know exactly like mechanical parts, they could have been rebuilt parts. You know, things like yeah. that. But now with obviously with electronics, it's a it's a whole new uh, whole new ball game, and all of that. You know, we've, we've been talking about the way that manufacturers are building cars now. You know, the, they're trying to streamline that process. And it's going to have, um, you know, you've heard probably, uh, or maybe some of our uh, listeners have heard about the the giga casting, yes. you know, from, from Tesla. And so basically, uh, a lot of manufacturers are adopting this new yep. technology. Toyota, for instance, yeah. uh, in this past week. Exactly. So what it entails is that in order to simplify the cost and and the, the process of building a car, they're actually going to stamp like an entire front end of a car in one piece, in mm -hmm. one gigantic uh, cast piece. And so what's that, what that does is it's going to shave a lot of hours of the production time. Yep. It was going to require a lot of investment because the, the presses, you know, to, 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 to do these huge castings are very expensive. They're very heavy, you know, a hundred tons and things like that. Right. But once you've got them sorted and set up, you'll be able to punch out an entire like front end or rear end of a car as opposed to casting a whole bunch of different pieces and assembling them later. And so that's going to also have an impact on eventually on repairs yeah. and insurance rates, yep. you know, basically, because now it's simpler. Just throw it out when it's uh, when it's smashed or when it's broken. You can't. Well, not really simpler, but, you know, it's going to require now it's just it's not going to be if you crash, let's say, a Tesla front end of a, of a Tesla, for example. Before you could replace the bumper, you could replace a few components. Now you're going to have to replace the entire front end. Yep. And that is going to be very expensive because the part is going to be expensive because it's going to be a huge part. And second, it's going to take a little bit more time, you know, to undo literally the front end of a car, drop it off and put a new one on. Right. So that, that, that what, what the car manufacturers are going to save in terms of, uh, of money, in terms of time building a car, that cost is going to get passed on to the consumer if you ever need to fix the car yeah, because it's been damaged in an accident. And also that's going to affect, obviously, the insurance rates. So you know, yeah, premiums because if the car is going to be more expensive to repair, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, again, your, your premiums are going to go up for consumers across the board. Yeah. And you know? so right to repair on a block like this, yeah. on, a, on, a, on a gigapressed chassis hmm. is basically impossible. It's, exactly. It, it, it kind of drifts it back to the manufacturer that, well, you need a whole front end. Nobody's, you know, nobody's done a whole front end for, for this vehicle in yeah. the aftermarket. So you kind of yeah. have to go back to the dealership and do that. Yeah. So it's, a, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if a lot of manufacturers go the Tesla way with this with this uh, Giga casting, um, in order to you know to simplify cost, and of course you know you're going to pitch it to you like it's one solid part, it's not an assembly of many parts. There's less chances of rattles, yeah. you know. There's less chances of uh, NVH, and you know, noise vibration and harshness, things like that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's less money for them to it's less money because it's less time to build a car, uh, but Again, you know, for the consumer, it's going to be when it comes time to fix it, it's going to be, uh, it's going yeah. to be much more expensive. On the manufacturer side with the, the right to repair bill here and, and how, how it affects certain, you know, like in Massachusetts, for example, they, they were the first ones to introduce in North America. And then after that, a lot of states came mm-hmm. in. There's no federal thing about right to repair in, in the U.S. right now. But on, on the manufacturer standpoint, you know what, uh, how you're, they're basically going to, if you look at it, they're going to lose money or their dealerships are going to lose money, you know, on, on parts or on, on, on hours, you know, billable hours for the, for, to the repairs of those cars mm-hmm. because, uh, the consumers are going to be allowed by law or just, you know, encouraged to be able to go out and, and choose their own garage and make, you know, repairs because the data and the information about the vehicle is going to be completely transparent. Do you think that manufacturers will, you know, lose enough money to justify a price hike, for example, for their vehicles? It's entirely possible, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's possible now in the automotive industry, isn't it? (laughs) They never run out of good ideas to make more money, you know, to charge more. Because people are ready to pay for cars. We saw it in the, in the, in in the pandemic, you know, there was, there wasn't, and, you know, there wasn't a shortage, there was a shortage of cars, not a shortage of of people, you know, willing to pay premiums to get them. So we'll have to see how that plays out, obviously, because, you know, quite frankly, even if you do have a right to a law and you know smaller independent shops can still fix your car there's still going to be some tasks that are going to be too complex and that uh-huh. are going to probably require the special tooling or whatever and also you know it's not every i guess uh retail uh chain whatever or independent um, you know repair shop that's going to want to invest in the tooling in the, tooling in for, the technology yeah. you know just look at yeah, just look at the Ford F-150, you know, aluminum body, just to repair aluminum uh, uh, body in case of, a, of an accident, in case of a crash. You know, this is a complete different set of tools and different set of processes than steel. Right. And so, you know, like um, you're, you're going to see things like for certain uh, repairs, you're going to need some very specialized tooling, some very specialized know-how skill. And so you might, you know, you might see some, some of that stuff still being channeled to one side. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, obviously the, the smaller stuff is, is going to be able to be handled by just about anybody now. Uh, manufacturers might also just uh, include, you know, maintenance mm-hmm. for, for, to, 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 Hike the price, but also make it simpler for their for their customers to stay in the dealerships. There's like Genesis, for example. We're going to talk yeah. about them a little later, but uh, Genesis includes a maintenance package. You don't have to to kind of 
deal with. It's like mm. a, a you know a concierge service where you bring the vehicle. Vehicles expensive, but every time you write about them or try them, you have to keep in mind that yeah, it's an eighty five thousand dollar vehicle, but it includes maintenance and it includes you know a, a, a certain uh, uh, t- taxes and transport and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. And also, you know, when we when we you compare the vehicles, the cars that we have now with, let's say, cell phones or stuff like that. Usually, when that would happen, people were wanted to be able to repair their their phones and say, okay, we don't want to throw them out or or something like that. We just ramp the productions of cell phone, ramp the production of iPads. With cars, you can't do that because mm-hmm. we already have trouble making them now. The, the supply chain is is you know it's pretty much full. There's all kinds of of of, of variables that don't happen with their cell phones. However, some of this can bring. Uh, adverse, con- uh, you know, consequences like keeping older cars on on the road for longer. You know, right to repair. <laughs> yeah, you know, but that's you, that's not entirely a bad thing because when, not, you, no, when you look at the, the the resources that are required to build a brand new car to put it on the road, yeah. and then you know you're going to send it to the junkyard or whatever, or get it crushed. You know, sometimes it's a better play to uh, to keep your car as long as possible. Yeah, because definitely. Even if it is a gasoline-powered car versus an EV, because the car's already been built. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you don't need to, to, to allocate resources, steel, whatever, to, to building a brand new car. Hmm. Gab, uh, in uh, not too long, you're flying out to Japan yeah. for uh, the biannual, uh, well, we, we used to call them Tokyo Auto Show. And like we said before, yeah. now everything <laughs> is mobility, not auto, mobility. And yeah. it's the um, a Japan Mobility Show. Exactly. It used to be, you know, it used to be called the Tokyo Motor Show. And they had all these uh, taglines like beyond the motor and things like that, right. you know, because they're... We're talking about the future of transportation, electrification, and so on and so forth. Now it's going to be called the Japan Mobility Show. And in that way, it sort of like follows the trend because, um, uh, for example, in Munich, uh, where we were yeah. last, last fall, it's all about that. It's all about the, it's, it's no longer an auto show. They call it now a mobility show. Yeah. It's half part suppliers yeah. and, and mopeds and the other half is cars. Exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be the same thing with, um, with regards to, to Tokyo. Now, the Tokyo Motor Show was never a huge, you know, show in terms of size, of scope. It, it never was as big as uh, what we used to see back in the day and, you know, like 10 years ago in Frankfurt and things like that. Right. But it's still, it was a very um, interesting show because obviously it's a showcase for the Japanese car makers. And um, over the years, uh, the interest in the Tokyo Motor Show has sort of like ebbed and, and flowed, so to speak. And, um, I remember a couple of years back going, uh, to the, uh, Tokyo Motor Show after the Japan had been hit by a huge tsunami. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Yeah. Fukushima, the, Fukushima the, uh, nuclear tragedy, plant yeah. and yeah. things like that. And so <clears throat> that happened, I think, if I'm not, uh, you know, earlier in the year and the Tokyo Motor Show is all, always in the fall. And so there was a big push when Japan got back on track, so to speak, after the tsunami from the manufacturers to really bring a lot of stuff to Tokyo Motor Show and to sort of like get the interest going again and get the media involved and, and coming to co- cover cover the event. And now, <laughs> with this year, what's happening is that 
it, it's a bit the same scenario in that Japan has been essentially closed for the past two years to foreigners, you know, because of the pandemic. And it's a country where you had to, uh, in order to, to go into Japan, the, the access to the foreigners was restricted because of the, of the pandemic. It's a, you know, it's a hugely, densely populated island yeah, uh, yeah. Japan. I remember I went last year and it, we, we had to have visas and yeah, they, exactly. they, they were they were installing apps on our phones and we, uh, yeah. we had to tell them every day where we were yeah. you know and, and then after that it, the, the months after when I left it's when I came back to Canada it wasn't that anymore yeah. but I remember that as a, as, a, as a business visitor it was very complicated so I get the feeling that this year it's going to be the same thing you know the, the all of the Japanese manufacturers are going to make a big push to yeah. show stuff in Uh, Tokyo at this Japan mobility show and we've already we already know that you know there's going to be uh some some new vehicles a lot of concepts you know yeah, no, not that. a lot, lot of brand new concepts yeah, a lot of a lot of concepts there's a lot of drawings and yeah. and, and, and <laughs> teaser, know, images, teaser so images so far but obviously you know if there's one country or uh, Japanese manufacturers as a whole maybe you know Nissan a little bit outside of that but They've been kind of reluctant to adopt uh, electrification EVs. Not, you know, they're big on hybrids. Obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. Toyota is the leader. Yeah, Mazda, Toyota, Lexus, uh, Mazda, Toyota, Honda. It's yeah. we've always, you know, been we, we've waited a long time to get, yeah. you know, like electrified from them. Exactly. So now I think you know Lexus and Toyota. They're going to show a lot of. Uh, of uh, concepts that, uh, that feature, uh, you know, basically battery electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to see stuff, uh, you know, concept cars also from Mazda, from uh, Lexus, Toyota, Subaru as well. Uh, Honda is going to show stuff as well. So there, again, I think there's going to be a huge push by the, uh, by the Japanese manufacturers to, to say that they're still relevant, they're still in the game, mm -hmm. and to, you know, essentially they're playing, in my estimation, playing catch up with the rest of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we know that China, next door neighbor, huge EV market, yes. you know, and they're, they're and very much going flat out in that direction. Japan always a bit reluctant to follow through, but now I guess they don't have a choice, you know, they have to go for it. Yes, and uh, BYD is going yeah. to be there at the Japan, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the t Japan Mobility Show, so it's probably going to showcase it's a big electric car manufacturer. It's going to be pretty interesting. Mm. So you're going to go over there and see uh, uh, some of, uh, of uh, also Infinity uh, is coming yeah. up with something, which is interesting. Yeah, Infinity, you know, it's sort of like a brand that's kind of like you don't really know what's going to happen with them. And they're, they're sort of like on the... Uh, Uh, life support system you yes know? and so it and and they've been showing concepts for a long long time so now we're gonna see you know in in the words of the old wendy's commercial where's the beef <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> show us what you've got because you know so far it hasn't been very uh hasn't been very convincing let's put it that way from the infinity stand the the lineup Yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, Infinity technology a little later in the podcast. But uh, uh, for now, uh, the Tokyo uh, Auto, uh, the Japan Mobility Salon, exactly. <laughs> so the, the Japan Mobility the Show, show <laughs> is going to happen next week. And we'll have a full report from you when you get back on Absolutely. the next episode of the, of the podcast. Gap, the very popular 
product at Nissan now is definitely the Rogue because uh, there's a lot of other products, but they're not on top of their charts in their respective segments. Yeah, this one's a, their number one bestseller. The, yeah, the number one bestseller. <laughs> and, you know, like kind of kind of up there in some uh, in, in some markets, the uh, the compact SUV, the Nissan Rogue, mm. is getting a few tweaks uh, for 2024, a few aesthetic stuff, and but also technical stuff. Yeah, exactly. So basically, you know, uh, you've got a facelift, <laughs> what we call in our business, the facelift. They're redoing the front end, the rear end of the car yep. to, to give it a, a different look, to try and make it stand out a little bit, to, to give it a bit of a refresh, a bit of a reboot. So in terms of styling, it looks a little bit like, uh, a little more like the uh, Nissan Area uh, electric SUV. Uh, it looks a little bit like the uh, the, 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 the new uh, current Versa and things like that. So mm-hmm. a bit that kind of look. But uh, the most important thing is that they've, They've dropped, you know, what is probably the most interesting uh, engine for that for that car, which is the four cylinder. The, the yeah, two the two point five. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. They they so, had tweaked that engine to, you know, quote unquote perfection for yeah. that vehicle. It was the most, like you said, they made the most sense and made they made yeah. decent power, decent efficiency. But now, bye bye. No, yeah, now <laughs> they're going exclusively with the. Uh, three-cylinder turbocharged engine. Yeah, the, and the when it, turbo. Exactly. So when it came out, uh, I remember driving that uh, with uh, one of our colleagues and we weren't that impressed <laughs> because, you know, it was very... Um, you, you didn't have a lot of power. You didn't have a lot of torque, obviously. And it still you still had very high fuel consumption yeah. because it's such a small engine that you're always trying to, you know, pressing hard on the throttle to, to get somewhere. And so yeah. even though the uh, displacement is small, the fuel consumption savings just weren't there. Yeah, it know? was. So. It, it's a, it's a variant of the uh, uh, the engine that was in the Q that is in the QX50, uh, which is the variable compression turbocharged engine from Infinity. Which I was really impressed when they released it a few years back because making a variable compression engine into production and into that size size of production is pretty impressive. Yeah. And it's a it's a funky looking thing because it can change. You know, it can change the compression and give you the best of both worlds in terms of performance, but also efficiency on paper. Yeah, exactly. So what that engine, the, the, it, it's party trick, so to speak, was that <laughs> you, know, you, could, you could adjust the stroke of the, uh, yep. of the piston. And so you could have a longer, longer stroke or shorter stroke, depending on whether you needed um, instant power, you know, instant yeah. torque, uh, or whether you were just cruising. Yes. Um, so super high, like super high compression yeah. ratio on the highway, and then you could reduce the compression, add turbo boost, and then definitely have the, the most of the power of the engine. Yeah, exactly. So it never really worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those things that looks good on paper. Yeah. But in real life, it didn't, you know, you really didn't get the sense that you were saving any fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really didn't get the sense that you had that much more power. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, a, it was very innovative, you know, because when you think about it, the, uh, the internal combustion engine has been around for a long time. Yeah. And so this was a, a kind of like a tweak, a twist, so to speak, to try and improve on the, on the technology, but it didn't really pan out. And now that they're using it 
you know the a variant a smaller version of it exactly in, in, basically in half the, the cylinders essentially yeah, basically yeah <laughs> so or, or almost um so there you go so it wasn't um it wasn't that impressive to begin with when it was an infinity engine uh, a larger infinity engine on the qx50 and it's not impressive now that it's in the rogue you know as a three-cylinder unit right so uh, Trying to keep it new on the inside, the the 2024 Rogue. It's it, you know it's a good looking compact SUV. It delivers plenty of space and uh, it, it's it's enough to compete in the market. But like you said, it's too bad for that for that 2.5 liter engine, which made it maybe more affordable as well because yeah, the, the development sure. of that engine is it's paid. It's but but the, <laughs> the VCT is going to take a long time. I think that the engine is going to be around for a while. So so we'll have to we'll have to see how uh, Rogue sales pan out in 2025. But and and how reliable that engine that's been introduced i think only two years ago or a year or so ago uh i you know yeah, the, I well yeah the, the 1.5 yes yeah. yes yes so, but it hasn't you know it hasn't been very long that's right i always think yeah. vct because of the yeah. qx50 but yeah, exactly. that specific smaller displacement yeah. was hasn't was, been around for a long time so we'll have to see reliability how how that pans out yeah Gab, you had the opportunity to drive a very a palace, an electric palace on wheels. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Mercedes Maybach EQS SUV, yeah, right? Exactly. Which is the, which is the uh, not only the electrified version of the most the higher end, you know, Mercedes SUV, but also the Maybach. Yeah, uh, uh, variant of this SUV, which is which is pretty 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 exclusive, if I'm not mistaken. It is indeed. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of interesting because uh, the very first electric vehicle for this Maybach ultra luxury brand that right. Mercedes has developed um, is an SUV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a car; of it's course. an SUV. Mm. So basically, they're they're working on the. Um, the components, the structure uh, of the Mercedes-Benz uh, EQS SUV. We know that there's no AMG variant of that because there is now the, the Maybach, Maybach yeah. variant. And so the uh, whole idea here is that they're taking the EQS SUV and they're uh, adding more power and, of course, you know, much, much more luxury. You know, Mercedes-Benz is a little bit different from BMW or even the Volkswagen Group in that they didn't really have a, a brand that was ultra luxury. You know, the, with BMW, there's Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce is part of the BMW group. That's their ultra luxury brand. Right. And in terms of, um, uh, if you're looking at, at Porsche, there's uh, Bentley, for example. That's their, uh, the Volkswagen group. They have Bentley. They have also a whole bunch of other uh, luxury brands. But Bentley is very much their, their, their Rolls-Royce equivalent, so to speak. Right. Mercedes-Benz didn't have anything and, until they brought back this, this Maybach, Maybach yeah. uh, line. And so now you've got this, uh, this, <laughs> this huge SUV. That's <laughs> I, gonna, I, I was talking like I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen it before, but I saw it in person. Yeah, yeah you saw it and in person I, because I, they showed it the, in Munich, uh, the concept, like did. two years ago, and 2021. Yeah. Just the detail. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're going to talk about the drive, but just the fact that they... The pattern of the Maybach logo on oh, yeah. the front uh, inlets or oh the wheels God. it's like a Louis Vuitton pattern it's yeah. ridiculously fancy well I think that's <laughs> I think you you said the right word ridiculous because to me <laughs> this thing is so um, 
it's it's so it's so conspicuous consumption yeah the the bling factor is off the chart you know they're, <laughs> they're, first of all opulence know, doesn't doesn't cut it as a word well you know it's it's like I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's like it, when you look at it's it, it's not opulent. It's not like Rolls Royce and Bentley. It's like no, it's it's, it's like showy. Super, yeah. It's very showy. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's I like see. it's like Kim Kardashian like kind of thing <laughs> to me. You know, lots of chrome. The word Maybach is everywhere, like you mentioned on yeah, the vehicle, on the and there, there's little logos everywhere and things like that. Lots of chrome. Uh, it's the uh, also you know it has the Mercedes Benz star sitting right on the bonnet, you know, which is something you didn't see anymore right. it's, it's apart from the S class. And um, so there's that, you know, it's very ostentatious. Um, it's going to cost, you know, base price in Canada, like over a quarter of a million dollars. They haven't released the price mm -hmm. yet because, you know, I think they're just <laughs> waiting for the other shoe to drop. But it's, this is going to be hugely expensive. Obviously, you know, the, 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 the styling, I don't care much for the the exterior styling, but right. once you get inside, I mean, the level of craftsmanship is just you know unbelievable. Right, you know, you leather everywhere, and 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 you know the, the the wood paneling, things like that. It's so quiet, also this car. I mean, it's like the perfect car when you're to fall asleep at the wheel because right. it's so quiet. It's you're so insulated from the outside world that you you could probably fall asleep at the wheel, but. And, you know, they've given it more power, obviously, because it's a Maybach. So you get like a hundred more horsepower, I suppose, you know, compared to the EQS. So this thing will weighs over three tons. Well, close, not quite over three tons. It's just under three metric tons. And it accelerates as fast as a Porsche 911 Carrera. The base Carrera, you'll say, but it, it goes it that does. quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like four, 4.2 seconds, something like that, zero to 100. So it's more, it's heavier than, than the EQS SUV. Oh, of course, of course. Because of what the, because the, of the, the, the champagne fridge and exactly. the and all that stuff. The <laughs> there, was, there was a champagne fridge in my test car yeah. and uh, two, uh, oh, two I, metal uh, I wouldn't flutes. expect anything less. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you've got, you know, a full reclining in the rear uh, passenger side uh, seat uh, with a footrest and everything. Right. So obviously this is made for people who want to be driven around mm -hmm. and um, you know, the range is going to be, you know, it's going to be like around 400, 450. It's got a huge battery, 108, mm -hmm. I think kilowatt hours. Um, but it's for people, very rich people who are going to get one, get driven around in total silence and want to, feel good about themselves because they're riding in the back of an EV. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Saving the planet. Exactly. <laughs> very, very... Uh, One three-ton SUV at a time. With a lot of style. Mm, a lot exactly. of style. Mm. And uh, how the overall drive compares, uh, you know, except from the extra well, worry, I guess. I obviously, guess it compares you know, it, it, it's not... Uh, it's not something you want to toss around. No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, but it, as, it, it's, as, I, as I said, it's incredibly quiet, whisper quiet. Like you can, you can have a conversation without raising your voice, mm -hmm. and even if you're going like 130 kilometers an hour on right. the highway and things like that. So it's, um, it, 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 it handles pretty good because it's got rear wheel steer, you know, it's got a long wheelbase, but because the rear wheels can turn in the opposite direction to the front wheels when you're going at slow speeds, it makes the car a little bit more agile, like parking maneuvers or twisty stuff. But this is not a car you want to drive on a twisty road <laughs> at all. It's something you want to drive on a smooth, you know, straight road, whatever. And it's, it, be perfect 
if you if you find enough charging stations along the way as a long distance cruiser right you know, right uh, but the key point is that you're gonna need to stop uh, every once in a while to charge it yeah and we're not gonna see many of those anyways. no uh, so no we're gonna, they're gonna, gonna be- send they they they, uh, they are they haven't given any uh indication as to how many you know, units that they're going to, to produce or how many are going to be allocated to Canada. You know, it's, maybe we'll see a dozen. I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Very, very maybe perhaps a bit more, but I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, bling factor off the charts and um, very quiet. Cool. Well, I can't. Very I'll, I'll probably won't have the the opportunity to drive that one. Uh, maybe if I find someone crazy enough to buy one, but I'll borrow <laughs> it and then fall asleep in the at the wheel, like you said. Um, for my part, I had another shot at driving uh, Genesis uh, uh, electric vehicles. They have the uh, obviously now the. Uh, GV60, which yeah. we, which yeah. we spoke about uh, many times. You've, you were one of the first journalists to drive yeah. uh, the GV60 when it came out, mm. but also the G80 sedan, which is which is pretty pretty cool uh, to drive a sedan nowadays, and uh, GV70, which is the compact SUV uh, electric. Um, there's a thing that uh, differentiates uh, these three vehicles. One of them is made on an electric platform, the eGMP platform that's used in Hyundai and Kia, Kia. vehicles, and a lot more Kias now that we see mm. uh, and in, in the the, uh, the GV60 uh, uh, to mention yeah that the GV60 that's a full electric vehicle right. you know a platform dedicated architecture strictly uh, strictly an EV yeah whereas the other two the G80 and the GV70 they're gas cars they're gas cars that have been switched over to yeah. electric propulsion and and you know what I used to say you know, let's not talk about platforms because nobody cares about them. But now they make so much, so much more sense. You know, mm-hmm. because there's there's there are electric platforms. There's uh, electric platforms that can accommodate uh, gas uh, uh, powertrains, like Mercedes Benz, for example, is building new platforms. They say, well, it can also accommodate, uh, 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 you know, like uh, uh, t- thermal engines, uh, but. The G80 and the G70 needed to be on the market more. The G70 needed to be quickly on the market. So they took uh, the, 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 the traditional platform and slapped a couple of motors and a battery in it. And off we go. The way I'm saying it now sounds like it's, you know, half-baked, uh, half-baked a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But you've driven the, the, yeah, the GV70 no, and the G80. Uh, they're, they're wonderfully appointed cars and they're, yeah. they're, they, they're, they're very good at it. They're very good and at being EVs. And they don't look like EVs. You know, yeah. the GV60, it looks very much, you know, the styling is very different. It's very much out there. It kind of stands out, uh, you know, as, as an EV. But the other two, they look just like regular cars, yeah. you know, re- regular vehicles. And in many ways... Uh, you were talking about Mercedes-Benz, but BMW is the same thing. You know, BMW now, when they're building a car, they've decided that they're going to be producing the gasoline-powered car, yep. the hybrid, plug-in hybrid car, and the electric vehicle, all on the same assembly line, with the same kind of styling, with yeah. the same kind of look. And so, in a way, the GV70 and the G80, it's a bit like that. You know, they're they're essentially they were designed as uh, internal combustion engine cars, uh, vehicles, and then switched over to uh, to the electric drive. But, you know, they've done a really good job because uh, you don't really feel that it's, it's, it's like, it's not 
a compromise. You know, it's not something that that, that, that they've done and they sort of like, well, it, it could have been this, but we we had to make do with that. And right, the, right, right. But it feels like a solid package and a well built, uh, well put together car. The uh, the only compromise I saw, uh, it's in the G80, a little bit yeah. less cargo space. In you the know, trunk, yeah, someone, sure. someone wants that. You know, it's a golfer's car, the, yeah. the, 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 the big sedan. <laughs> you know, maybe if you're a golfer, you'll say, well, I, yeah, I could mm. put uh, maybe one less bag, golf bag in the, in the, in, in the trunk. But that's about it. And the drive, I mean, for me, the G80 sedan, I, okay, I'm a sedan person. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy sedan. Not that I don't like SUVs, especially the GV70 is pretty stylish. And I, 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 I definitely enjoy looking at it and driving it. But the, the G80 sedan was, you know, like pretty impressive and efficient. You yeah. know, like, yeah, well, it, yeah. you know, if you read around on the internet and, and our, our drives as well, we, we, it, we were, it was mind boggling how we, you know, with it, with that size of a sedan and that, that, you know, the car looks really big, right? Yeah. It, look, it looks like a pig. It, it looks like it, it gobbles electrons, but it doesn't. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty, they, they've done a really good job. On the GV70 side, it's, you know, if you're looking in that, that uh, specific segment, you're looking for a sporty drive. It's, you know, I found that the GV70 with the gas engine, the smaller, the four cylinder, the, 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 the turbocharged 2.5. Yeah, that's, perfectly that's balanced. Spot, yeah. It's nice. It doesn't, mm. you know, it doesn't make the vehicle heavy and it gives it a little bit more sportiness. But uh, on the heavier, you know, electric GV, GV70 electrified, don't, don't, don't look too much for that kind of behavior. It's a more comfortable, right? It's a mm-hmm. more, it's a more, it's more plush. And, and like you were mentioning earlier, uh, the way Genesis appoints the interiors to yeah. be quiet, but also, you know, the materials, the, the bland, it's really different from what the Germans are doing. And, you know, Genesis keeps, you know, talking about that, like, oh, we, we want to create envir- an environment for our guests. We're not, you know, consumers, <laughs> we're guests at <laughs> Genesis. This is marketing lingo for, for, uh, for, uh, we invite you into our cars, right? But, but it, they're doing a good job at it. Uh, they're expanding in the U.S., uh, building more experience centers, not, yeah. not, not more, uh, dealerships. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, uh, you know, offering a different product. The only thing I'm worried about is that, um, with the GV70 and the G80 having that platform and when eventually they're going to move to an electric platform, it looks like it because under the group you have the EGMP and then you're going to have the G, the same platform, but different variations. Maybe they're going to move to another platform and then it's going to make these models look maybe less interesting or maybe more. We don't know because maybe the, the, the new platform, it might be more efficient, it might be well, heavier, you know, it might be, it might make compromises. Where, where as should. always, you know, the development of uh, electric motors is is proceeding quite quite fast. Yeah, you know, we're we're already seeing with different manufacturers, new, you know, BMW is up to their fifth generation of electric motors now. Uh, so every time that they're 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 making improvements to these motors, they end up being either more powerful or more efficient. And obviously the battery technology is evolving as well. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how all of this, uh, plays out. It's also going to be interesting to see what future we'll have with, uh, solid state batteries, you know, further, right. a little bit further down the road. Uh, BYD is, uh, already in China, uh, developed, uh, that solid state batteries for, I think, a, they're up to like seven different cars, uh, car lines that are using the solid state battery there. So 
There's a lot still to come, I think, in the EV space in terms of uh, in terms of technology, in terms of improvement. Yeah. So with the uh, the GV70, GV80, the GV70, uh, you know, at a little bit more than eighty four thousand dollars, it looks. There's only one trim, right? In yeah. Canada, there's only one trim for the for the GV70. It looks a little bit expensive, but it comes with the Genesis complementary maintenance. You have to factor that in, right? Because when you're buying other vehicles in the in the segments. You know, you're buying Mercedes, BMW, you're going to be paying, you know, top dollar for your maintenance. This sure. is a factor and uh, also uh, a couple of charges and stuff like that that are included in the price. But if you're looking for something different, definitely something to look at. Uh, and in the future to see how we're, you know, how it's going to pan out, what what other uh, models you know, Genesis is going to bring to fight, you know, uh, the, they, they openly say that they want to get into every segment where the, where the German vehicles are. And I mm-hmm. think they're, they're, uh, they started off pretty good. And then we'll have to see what, uh, what, what these, uh, these new models, uh, have to show in the future. Well, we'll keep, we'll keep covering them. We'll keep uh, following what they're doing and we'll keep reporting on yeah, that. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Gab, we have a very busy two weeks ahead of us. You're going to drive uh, Range Rover vehicles just before you go to Tokyo, like we mentioned before. Yeah. What uh, what's what's waiting for you at Range Rover? Uh, well, basically the uh, the <laughs> new and refreshed um, Velar and Evoque. So obviously the uh, Evoque is the the smallest uh, vehicle in. Uh, uh, JLR's lineup in terms of uh, SUVs. And, uh, so it's getting some, uh, some improvements. So we're going to be able to, to see what is, uh, what is new there. And of course, the Velar is to me, you know, it, when it was first introduced, it was like, uh, it, it ushered in this new, uh, design language for Land Rover and a lot of the vehicles that have followed suit, whether it's the Range Rover Sport or the, the, the Range Rover itself. Sort of like emulated the uh, this very sleek, very minimalist uh, styling of the Velar, and so that is to me, it's still one of the best looking SUVs out there. Yeah, and uh, so I'm going to be uh, looking forward to see what they've done uh, in terms of improvements with regards to drivetrains and also with the uh, with the uh, tech inside. So uh, we'll be able to drive both vehicles soon and uh, report back on that when we come back. And yourself. Yeah, my for my part, <laughs> I am going to um, uh, Spain uh, and also South Africa for two uh, premium brands, uh, Porsche vehicles uh, with the Porsche Cayenne SE Hybrid and the Porsche Turbo uh, Cayenne Turbo S uh, Turbo Hybrid, uh, pardon me, uh, two very very large uh, family vehicles that don't have family-oriented powertrains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, over 700 and something horsepower uh, SUVs, monstrous SUVs, as well as, well as the Q8. So it's going to be interesting to make the comparisons between in the next uh, two sure. weeks that are that are for these vehicles that are gaining in size, uh, space, but also certainly in performance and trying to make it efficient uh, in the in the you know at the, by the same token. So uh, we'll have uh, the full report on driving impression on that when I be back. Uh, so this is it for the uh, 19th episode of the Car Guide podcast. Uh, thank you for listening in. We uh, have everything you can check out on the site from uh, uh, the unveilings, the coverage uh, from the Tokyo Mobility Japan show. Mobility Japan, show. Japan Mobility <laughs> Show. You have to reset yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a Japan Mobility <laughs> They've Show. They've rebooted the show. You have to reboot yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
as well as uh, the, uh, the, the vehicles that we're going to drive and we'll be able to report back for the 20th episode in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Follow us on uh, Facebook, TikTok and Instagram for uh, uh, live coverage of, of and impressions also of uh, these events coming up. So long and take care. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.